0: Hello, everybody. I'm joined today by Sean Doyle, a coworker of mine at ThoughtBot. Hello, Sean. Hello. Hey, Sean, how's it going? And uh, we're cool. also joined by Alex Clark, who's a curriculum developer at Code Academy. Hello, Alex. Hi. <laughs> all right. So we thought it'd be interesting to have you both on the show. I know that um, Sean and Alex worked together over at Code Academy working on a TDD course. So I just thought it'd be cool to talk about like the kind of things that drove you to create the TDD course and the types of things that folks can learn. And we can also swap some stories about the types of experience that brought us to be kind of TDD enthusiasts, I guess. Is that, is that fair to say? Are we all TDD enthusiasts here? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Cool. All right, so uh, I guess we can start off just I'm always curious when somebody decides like testing in general and TDD specifically seem like such large topics like how did you go about like figuring out What to cover and how like how did how did I guess from the Code Academy perspective? How did the need for like a specific TDD course arrive?
1: So uh, it was kind of interesting. We had developed about three intensives in uh, JavaScript and front-end development. So HTML CSS React, and then build APIs with uh, Express. And at that point, we decided, okay, how do we sort of differentiate ourselves? And we thought that testing would be a good natural next step, specifically JavaScript testing. So we reached out to ThoughtBot because we knew that they were sort of, as you said, testing enthusiasts. Mm -hmm. And when Sean got on board, we realized that we could have a much more sort of interesting and opinionated take on testing beyond just this is Mocha, this is Chai, and instead, like, how you can leverage testing and test-driven development to actually build full-stack web applications instead of just make sure that uh, everything is running as expected.
0: Yeah, I'd say that's the biggest thing when I talk to people about testing is, like, I will talk about doing testing, and they say, like, yeah, I write tests. And it's like, okay, tell me more about them. They don't really have a process of writing tests. They, it's like a box that they're checking. So I see, like, I see that as, like, a Kind of like when you start out, you're like, "Well, I test it by using it, right?" <laughs> and I don't have time for the tests, kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. you graduate to like, "Okay, well, I can see that having some sort of automated regression testing is valuable." So you're like, "Like, I want to know if I broke something else, so I'll write a few tests, and I'll write them after I did the implementation." But as you mentioned, I don't think people realize that they can have like they can have a process behind how they test. So, like Sean Alex mentioned when he met you that you you know they realized that there could be uh, an opinionated process to testing. What are what are some of the opinions you feel like you've brought to Code Academy or to this course?
2: Yeah, testing first mm-hmm. uh, and test driving code is like one of the more transformative habits that I've picked up after working at ThoughtBot. And we have uh, the Testing Rails book that Josh and Joel had written. Mm-hmm. So uh, reading that and like borrowing from that really influenced a lot of the stuff that we brought to the course. Mm-hmm. And just like other general like ThoughtBot testing blog posts, like uh, one of the first things that we touched on was the four phases of a test, like mm-hmm. setup, exercise, verification, and then teardown mm-hmm. and like that. And thinking in terms of those four steps was really helpful to like frame, like what you should be doing in a test. Like it brought a lot of structure to the units that we were creating. Yeah.
0: And like the test driving it part, it's so key. Like I, I on the client project I'm on right now, actually, I fixed a bug somewhere in the application Or somewhere in the test suite and like six new tests started failing after i fixed a bug in the test suite and i was like well how i what did i I, there's no way what i did broke these tests and really what had happened was like fixing the test suite uncovered tests that should have been failing but were not and that's to me it was like kind of another light another one of those light bulb moments of like this is why doing test-driven development is important because you get to see the test fail for the reason that you think it should fail Right. Mm-hmm. So it becomes obvious after the fact that those tests were written after the implementation. Right. And then they ran them and they passed and they were like, great, done. Right. When in reality, if they had run the tests and commented out the implementation, they still would have passed. <laughs> um, and that would have been a hint that maybe something was wrong. So often one of I think people find is like a, a light bulb moment. So when working with the client, I, I tried to stress again, that, like this is an example of why it's always important to do things before. And even if you get to the point where you have written, you like, maybe you weren't quite sure how you wanted to implement something, so you wrote some code first, like go back and like comment that code out, write the test, uncomment it, maybe line by line or whatever to make sure you're getting the the failures you'd expected all along the way. So how do you, is the course designed to take people from starting at like, you know, you know, you're a developer, but haven't done much testing at all. And we're going to introduce you not only, the, like you mentioned, not only the testing tools like Mocha and Chai or or whatever the preferred testing tools are, but also just the concepts of how to, like you mentioned, the four phase tests and things like that.
1: So this is the first intensive that Code Academy developed that is for developers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when we, we think of ourselves sort of in a space close to boot camps, um, but also as we grow trying to serve like more and more in the developer community. And um, we think a lot of junior developers don't spend much time learning about testing and, and learning about how to write good tests. And what good tests were is not something that I knew before meeting Sean. And <laughs> the first two weeks, essentially, were just spent with Sean evangelizing test-driven development and really getting us on board. And, and within like 10 days, we were all totally bought in. And so the focus is really on test-driven development specifically outside-in, so working your way from the feature-level tests down to the server, and then the database level, and then working your way back up. And we do obviously have to use a technology, and we happen to use JavaScript, because that's what we teach the most on our platform— but what we found was we were able to teach it in a way where people who don't have that much JavaScript background, but maybe has, have more experience in other languages, would still understand the outside-end TDD process as we're teaching it. And we provide enough support for sort of like any developer, whoever the developer is, whatever their, their experience is in other languages, web development languages, to be able to be successful and learn what outside-end test-driven development is, is sort of all about.
0: And have you had like cohorts go through or, or people go through this course yet?
1: We have, we have. And, and we've just started getting our first rounds of feedback in. And uh, because this isn't serving the audience that you expect at Codecademy, the cohorts have been um, a little bit smaller, but they've been cohorts of developers. And the feedback and what we were all really concerned with was how will developers sort of Find learning on our platform. Well, they, they find it as being sort of like restrictive in terms of like how how much we scaffold the learning and uh, the feedback has overall been really, really good. And people saying, OK, I'm going to try to implement this uh, in my own process or bring this back to my team at, that I work on.
0: Is any part of the course like geared towards kind of overcoming? I guess when I, when I talk to a lot of people about trying to get them enthous- enthusiastic about testing, they're worried about the amount of time it's going to take them to write tests and they're worried and even if they think that they're willing to invest the time it takes to write tests and I can come back to how that's kind of a fallacy but uh, <laughs> but that they're worried that their managers will see testing as something that they shouldn't be spending their time on, that they have a QA department or or something like that. Are there, Have you encountered those objections? Is there anything in the course that, that speaks to that? Or even if not, is there Sean or, or Alex, do you have anything that you would recommend to folks uh, who encounter that type of situation? I think we start off the introduction to the entire course
2: by framing testing as a money saver or just like um, something that provides you with a safety net in case things go wrong or an extra chance to catch something before it reaches your customers. Mm-hmm. We mentioned that if a failing test catches a bug, then that means that you're not showing that to your customers and they're not you know, having a poor experience on your product and potentially losing money and... We go into some uh, historical occurrences of of costly bugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we frame it as a way to get ahead of errors and buggy behavior in your application and to just
0: like provide stability for your app. It's framed almost as a necessity. And that's kind of the way I look at it when I encounter it. So I have, you know, in, I've been doing consulting now for five years or so. And I do encounter teams who are like, you know, don't worry about the tests. I have a QA team. Right. They'll they'll go through this. Don't don't do it. And my response is always basically like, I don't know how at this point, I don't really know how to effectively work any other way because I don't know how I would know when I was done. Right. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, I guess I could test it in a browser. But if you want to get back to like the time it takes, right, how much time like testing something manually in a browser takes a long time particularly a lot of things like if you're if you're dealing with something that maybe is a uh, javascript front end and has a lot of like modals and things that you have to go like if you have to reset Mm -hmm. that state every time and create that state in the browser every single time the process of like setting that up in a feature test or in the equivalent in the in chai or mocha is setting that up once may take you some time but then you can run that on demand so much faster right it's because um, right. you can use computers you know they're pretty fast right
2: computers they don't get <laughs> distracted they don't forget what they were doing yeah they don't really
0: they, they don't take missteps unless you tell them to right and they don't say well that's weird let me just refresh oh, okay it's fine now <laughs> like, <laughs> right. computers are like no no that's i'm not going to refresh for you
1: <laughs> and we we tried to deliver content that like made that that like red green refactor cycle very tight Mm -hmm. so that you were getting that positive feedback very quickly. And you were able to say like, okay, I'm going to write a test in a thoughtful way that like minimum implementation that I could do to address this test is going to take a lot less brain power. but you're sort of like getting that constant feedback of like, yes, I'm going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And then during that refactor phase, you can think, okay, is there a way to do this simpler or in a different way? before jumping back into another round of tests. So I think that, like, tightening that check of whether you're on the right track or not was really, really helpful as well.
0: Yeah, and in my own TDD practice, I find that, like, when I start to go astray from that tight feedback loop, where I go too long without running a test, or I take too many big steps, is where things start to go wrong, and I find myself being like, oh, oh, well, this isn't the implementation I wanted. Let me go back and, like, change 500 different things. Whereas, like, okay, take smaller steps, run a test, like, almost to the point of like, I can't believe you're doing this. Like, okay, if I'm creating like a new, uh, an entirely new feature that has new routes, it's like, okay, hit the URL. Okay. It doesn't exist. Create a route. Okay. The controller doesn't exist. Okay. The action doesn't exist. Okay. The template doesn't exist. Like, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I've done that process a whole bunch of times. And so to me, doing that from the beginning is really like, oh, am I really going to do this? Okay, let's just go ahead and create the controller, create the action, et cetera. But it sets the tone of like, I am going to run the test, write a line of code, run a test, write a line of code, or you know, maybe not a line, maybe a method or something like that, rather than taking these big steps. So even where you know in Rails land, I've created a lot of routes, I've created a lot of controllers. I still, when I'm struggling, I make sure I get back to that, like, yep, I'm going to do the really silly thing right now and make sure I'm getting a nice, tight feedback loop. There was a
2: point early on in the um, design of the course Mm. where I wanted to show the team what it was like to sort of live in that TDD cycle when you're developing a Rails app. Mm. So we started with a feature and worked our way in. And I was typing up in Vim Mm. and then running my tests from within Vim Mm. and then going on to the next thing. And like you're saying, where uh, you're in the habit of doing this a lot because you work on a lot of Rails projects. So I would get the feedback from the test failure and I would know what to do next, but I was demonstrating that the feedback would be useful. <laughs> so the way that I was jumping around the, the editor wasn't really obvious to the rest of the team. So I had to like catch myself and, and slow down and pretend it was like my first time through a Rails application. Right. And in doing that, I really like had to take stock in a lot of my bad habits that mm-hmm. like I break out of when I'm doing TDD, like instead of reading and responding to an error message, I say, oh, I haven't defined the route. Let me go define the route. Yep. And sometimes that's not the right thing to do next. Yeah. So
0: even if that is exactly what the error is telling you, just like immediately jumping to that, like writing the task, seeing that it failed and just saying that's because I haven't defined the route and then going and defining the route without like explicitly showing like, Now I read the failure. I see it says, you know, routing error, route not matched or whatever the routing error text is, right? I'm just Mm -hmm. very good at either knowing that's going to come next and perhaps not paying as close attention as I can or just knowing where in my editor or in my setup to look to see that exact error and confirm my suspicion, right? Rather than just being like, well, wait, you didn't read that all the way from left to right, the four lines that were output. It's like, well, I knew exactly where to Mm -hmm. look. And that's you, you get there pretty quickly, I think. But it is another common uh, hang-up with TDD is like not paying attention. Even when you are doing TDD, making sure you are actually reading the error that came out of your test right. and not assuming that you knew what it is. And TDD with Rails, you mm-hmm. sometimes forget how much Rails gives you. Mm-hmm. So this
2: was the first time that a lot of the folks on the team had seen a TDD process mm-hmm. and also the first time they had seen a Rails code base. So some of the errors are kind of cryptic and don't directly map to what you should do next. So I would like jump to uh, a controller tab and define a controller and inherit from application controller or whatever the case is. Mm. And sometimes I wouldn't. like uh, I got an error that said post controller not defined or expected some file to declare that class. And then I declared the class and then I reran the test and I didn't inherit from application controller. Mm. And the error that you get back from that is assuming that a whole lot of Plumbing in Rails is is there, and like it's not immediately (laughs) obvious that you need to inherit. Mm -hmm. So, if you're truly TDDing a Rails app, you have to like implement the world. (laughs) (laughs) So, I was doing a lot of hand waving in that session, saying, "Well, in another framework, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about this, but in Rails, I know what to do." And a lot of that came up when we went to develop the curriculum for uh, Express, because Express doesn't give you much. Right. So, it was a little bit tighter of a feedback loop where the errors that you get map directly to the next steps that you should take because you need to go define the thing or import the thing from another place. And there are no conventions, or we were writing in a way that didn't really have conventions. So we had to do a whole lot more hands-on work, which was kind of nice because it forced us to think about the feedback from the failures and think about what the next steps are instead right. of relying on the framework to do a lot of that heavy lifting for you.
0: Yeah. mm mm-hmm. It's interesting. That's like kind of counterintuitive, right? You would think like, oh, Rails gives us so much. It must be nicer to do TDD. in And it. it's like, well, actually, now that you mention it that way, like I'd never really thought of it. But like one of the reasons I really like when I'm doing Rails development, when I like break outside of the framework is that it's so much more clear what has to happen next. Right. Like it's just like there's no I'm not inheriting any behavior here. Like I need to build whatever this thing is going to do. I need to build it from scratch. Right. So, yeah, and I can see how that would be like, yeah, Express doesn't give you much, but it also lets you gives you like a clean slate to implement these things and get like the actual error messages you need back from the from the thing.
2: It ends up being more work, but in the context of trying to teach the process and the mechanics of it, it was really nice.
0: Yes, I can see I can definitely see that. I'm not saying that I would uh give up Rails and go to Sinatra uh because I would get better <laughs> TDD feedback or something, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting being sort of on the learner side of this, right? We were essentially trying to create the, I guess, like, aha for the learners of the intensive that, um, like, everybody else on the team had when Sean was teaching it to us. And so taking, like, larger steps, if you're, like, a more experienced test-driven developer, you can take larger steps. It's sort of like not showing your work when you're doing math, I found. Mm. And so early on, it was like, We were very dogmatic about it right and sean said like eventually once you really understand the process and you you can think sort of critically both about the tests you're writing and in that refactor phase you may be able to group things together you may be able to be a little more creative with how you're writing those tests so that that like journey for us learning how experts in test driven development develop was really interesting because we started thinking very differently and we started asking very different questions of Sean towards the end. And I feel like we were sort of pushing him to answer different questions and not just like have the obvious answer every time to our questions.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's good. <laughs> so the course specifically, like technologically wise, you mentioned, Alex, that it's focuses on using like uh, Mocha and Chai with a, in a JavaScript context, right? Mm-hmm. But that hopefully the, the content is more broadly applicable to folks who just want to know how TDD works, right? And they can take and apply these to the frameworks of their choosing. I feel like the JavaScript community in general got off to like a slow start when it comes to automated testing. But that lately there've been a lot of like, improvements there like I see I'm looking at like the the units in the test driven development intensive and it talks about doing full stack test driven development and I remember trying to do that several years ago in JavaScript and coming through like with a world of pain have do you think the tools have improved and the community is more ready to hear this or or more mature and ready for test driven development in JavaScript land or maybe this is an unfair characterization of the
1: JavaScript community Well, I think that uh, Sean can speak a little more to like the specifics of the JavaScript community. But what Mm -hmm. we tried to do in this intensive was really teach a Rails approach to test-driven development Mm -hmm. in JavaScript. And we didn't really find a whole lot of resources around test-driven development in JavaScript for full-stack web applications. We sort of adapted the ThoughtBot book on test-driven development to essentially the JavaScript uh, stack, full-stack.
0: That's cool. Yeah, because that's, that's ultimately what I ended up finding myself doing when I was doing that node project many years ago now, three, four years ago, was uh, trying to take what I know from the Rails perspective and be like, okay, well, how do I get this done in JavaScript? <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I think that that's cool that hopefully this will be something that can bring that to the to the JavaScript community. Sean, do you think I was being unfair to JavaScript, to the JavaScript community?
2: <laughs> um It's hard to say. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I
0: haven't really done a lot of
2: full stack JavaScript development. Like I had never worked in Express before this. Mm -hmm. So um, when we started writing like client through server stuff, I wanted to reach for tools that were similar to like Capybara and then RSpec and some of the Rails specific RSpec stuff. Um, And for the most part, I found something in JavaScript land that behaved a lot like Capybara and the other suite of tools. Cool. Like, for instance, we used WebDriver IO to drive a Chrome instance to click through apps and act as the outermost level of the testing pyramid, and then SuperTest at the server level to mm. make requests to the server. Cool. We were pretty hesitant to pull in a lot of third-party tools just because we wanted to emphasize the mechanics and the thinking more than the technologies available but after going through the course you you definitely have exposure to a lot of tools that can help you get started and and do tdd from the outside in on a full stack web app Mm -hmm. Uh, at least an app that serves up html we didn't really do a lot of front-end testing but web driver can can drive the app and click through buttons and fill in fields and and that sort of stuff
0: right cool so does the course get into at all like you mentioned Sean when you were going through the process with Alex and his team and Showing them like a demonstration of doing TDD like running things from your editor and getting fast feedback and Alex You had talked about the importance of a tight feedback loop Does the course talk at all about kind of any of the editor or tooling setup to help kind of tighten that loop?
1: So we don't touch on that because we have a development environment on our site All oh, right, so whenever we're like teaching the new technologies we uh, have them just like run inside of our uh, development environment. And Mm -hmm. so there's a terminal, and there's a text editor, and whenever they make a change to a test or production code, we would have them run NPM test. And so you would get that really tight feedback loop, but we don't go into how we would recommend you setting up a development environment on your own computer. We just Mm -hmm. provide them with the tools that they need to be able to run the full-stack web applications that they're going to be developing in the intensive they're
0: still running the command npm tests they're just doing it inside your development environment yes yes they are okay <laughs> so they at, at minimum when they get it running they can know they can still run npm tests locally and it'll work and that it's a matter of like i was actually really curious to see if you had talked about like here's how you run tests from an editor because that seems like such an impossible thing to do mm-hmm. given the audience of like who uses like i imagine you have a bunch of people using vim a bunch of people using sublime text and Atom, and visual studio code and who knows what else, WebStorm and, you know, mm. all this different stuff that people write software in. But I think that if, uh, that's a good next step, I think, for people who uh, who take this course of of like, okay, now I know how to do it. How do I get my setup so that like, it's just automatic that I do this. And right. I just hit a couple keys and my tests run mm-hmm. because that's really kind of a magical experience. It tightens that feedback loop even more and it makes it even more obvious that like having an automated way to do this is better than switching over to your browser and doing a few things.
2: Mm. Right. We most wanted to drive home the habit of running your test after every change that you make. Yep. Just to get into a rhythm and and then tighten that feedback loop as much as you can as a human that, you know, takes time to move your your hands and use your keyboard and stuff. And then Mm -hmm. the next logical step is to sort of outsource it to a computer. It's kind of a theme that we had throughout the whole course is like we can do all these things by hand, but computers are much, much better at it.
0: And they're going to remember to do all the things you told them to do before as well, in addition to the new thing that you're telling them to do, right? Um, so right. there's that regression value of the test, which I think is overstated, off uh, frankly, to say like, oh, you have this regression suite of things. So now like I find that that's a great thing to get people sold on doing the testing, but that the value is in what we're talking about and like the feedback while you're doing the development. And that, yeah, some of your tests will occasionally hopefully catch some bugs as well, that like some regression bugs. Not only in the new feature you're doing, but in like the way your new feature impacted some other feature that you weren't anticipating. But that I think over time people will find that the real value is in the feedback of doing the in the design feedback, doing the development. What else? What else in the course that you're really particularly excited about or proud about?
1: What I think is really interesting about this course is that uh, we had like a, a narrative to it, and so when we're teaching you about the technologies related to sort of like front end testing in JavaScript we know that you're going to the server next. And so we have a lesson on like the technologies that you need to use for like feature tests and then how to test drive at that level, right? So there are the specifics to like clicking buttons on an HTML page. Um, But then at the end of that lesson, we know where you're going to pick up. So you start in the red. So Mm -hmm. you're in the red at the feature level because you don't have a server to serve up anything. Mm And so at the beginning of the next lesson, you start with an error message in the server level. And you're like, okay, now we need to use these server technologies to add tests to our suite to drive the server implementation to make sure that our feature is is green, right? Mm -hmm. But then you'll hit another red, and then you have to drop to the database level for like persistence. And so I think what's really interesting about that is, though you could take those courses out of order, if you do take them in order there is a narrative and you understand the process of outside in and how you can develop and make sure that you're covered all the way at the top when you're at the bottom Um, and then working your way back up.
0: Yeah, that's cool and it also reinforces the idea that like you shouldn't be writing application code without something telling you you need to write it, right? So in the test Mm -hmm. being the thing that tells you that you need to write that, that you need to write that. I know a lot of people here who like don't like even like if they're mid working on a feature and it's time to go for the day, they try to make sure they commit you know, in a state with a failing test that tells them what they're supposed to do next. Even if that comes down to like, I put a raise something in my application code, <laughs> it will tell me because it makes it clear. Like the next morning, you don't have to be like, what was I doing? It's yeah. like, well, run the test. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what I was doing. I got it now. And I don't mm-hmm. always do that, but I've talked to people here who do, who do things like that. And I I do appreciate that that can be a, an effective thing. And certainly starting from a failing test is as part of the TDD loop, I think so. That's cool at every lesson, basically. Or every time you pop the stack, you're starting with a red test and you're not, you're not writing the red test to start. You, mm-hmm. you have the existing thing that told you you needed to pop the stack, basically, and go a little deeper.
2: Right. I'm one of those people. I use that as a piece of advice, actually. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. uh, something else interesting that that reminded me of, uh, I think it's a testament to the course itself. While we were developing the curriculum, we also had to do development for the off-platform projects. So they come at the end of a lot of the units like you've learned how to do, you know, outside in testing at the feature level, let's do some development on an application that's off the platform, that's on your computer so that you can learn how to do it, you know, on your own terms. So in the process of developing all of those projects, Nick, one of the folks over at Codecademy, kind of learned how to do express application development through TDD and I think he built his first express application, you know, top to bottom. Right. Only based off, like, the feedback from the course and, like, some of the stuff that we we talked about uh, in the planning sessions. And um, he used Vim, and he ran his tests from Vim. And, yeah, it was it was great to just, like, watch him learn the
1: ropes and, like, really flourish. And just to add one more thing to that, I, I had a conversation with him recently about his his goals for the past few months. And one of his goals that he didn't even that he made without knowing he was going to be on this project was build a full stack web application. Mm -hmm. And he did that and he, and he test drove it. Right. And he was just like, Oh, I didn't even realize that I forgot I made that goal. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, That's awesome. That's uh, you know, living the dream. (laughs) That's a good testament to the course, I think. And, and to just Mm -hmm. the general process of learning TDD and sticking with it. Because you can look up and be like, oh, wow, all of a sudden I've built a full stack web app versus like thinking like, how am I going to make all of this work in one go, <laughs> right? right? How, do, how do I make how, this work from you scratch? You said it
2: earlier, like, how do I know when I'm finished? Yep. <laughs> like having that safety net of, oh, you still have a failing test at the feature level. The feature doesn't work the way that you envisioned it. Mm-hmm. That's good feedback to know that there's more things to do.
0: Yeah, certainly. Cool. What else should we cover? Anything else about the course? We got red, green refactor t-shirts oh That's really pretty, yeah. red green yeah, refactor it, t-shirts
2: it, red green refactor kind of became like our, our mantra like the bedrock that kept us all like, calm like <laughs> at least we have red green refactor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no way. matter what else goes wrong in this world but if you're green, things are good. If you're refactoring, things are good. If you're red,
0: there's work to do. If you're red, there's work to do to get to green, but it's okay.
2: Right,
1: right. I think that uh, we went down the rabbit hole a lot with the refactor step. Like, what what could that be? And mm-hmm. we would always sort of have these like weird aha moments where it's like, oh, you can do that too, mm-hmm. right? And is there a loop inside of refactor? Can you have a loop inside of there? And like, it was always so satisfying, even mm-hmm. if we weren't developing, like talking about... The process and thinking about how you can do it like a little bit differently
0: Yeah, I feel like that is I think I touched on it a little bit at the beginning of the episode was like I I feel like approaching your work with a process Is important and test driven development is one of the best processes to approach your work with that I've found right Mm -hmm. because it's repeatable and it's a habit that you can get into And where like doing manual testing in a browser is different in every application, right? But like writing code to run a browser is the same and so you can have this habit of like, okay, I'm confused about what to do. I have no idea where to start. I guess I'll start where I always start with, <laughs> with a failing test and we'll go from there, right? right. And having that mm-hmm. to fall back on versus um, just like kind of staring out into the wild and waiting for inspiration. We ended up drawing
2: a diagram to try to capture that perspective on the red green refactor cycle. Mm-hmm. And it ended up looking a lot like a circle and on one side, there was the part where you had to think, where you thought, what do I want my application to do? What are some of the things I need to expect my application to be capable of? Let me write those down. And then there's the other half, which is my test suite is telling me it's not doing those things. How can I react to that feedback? And What do I need to do to get a new piece of feedback? So one side is proactive and you're, you're in control and you're thinking about what to do next. And then other, the other side is reactive where you're just pulling errors off the queue. And then the idea is that if you rely on that process, you'll eventually run out of
0: errors and things will be green and it'll be working the way that you envisioned it would work in the beginning. Perfect. Cool. So if folks want to find out more about the class, about the course, what should they do? Where should they go?
1: Just codeacademy.com. You can sign up for an account and you can see in the uh, web development section, test-driven development is the name of the intensive.
0: Okay, cool. And we'll put a link to our show notes so people can just click through there. What kind of support do folks get when they're going through? Like, so I sign up for the course, I'm ready to go, and I have some problems or or, or something like that.
1: Sure. So you'll be able to sign up uh, two weeks out from your start date. And on the start date, you'll have the entire intensive show up on your dashboard. This intensive is six weeks long. So the first about like four and a half weeks are all focused on uh, learning the technologies. And as you learn those technologies, you'll have access to advisors in lessons. So if you get uh, stuck on a question, a checkpoint, if you are you wanna know more, you can reach out to an advisor, but also you have a community in Slack. So you'll be in, in Slack with uh, everybody else in your cohort, and you'll be able to like share lessons learned, uh, any questions that you have, or maybe even like how you did something slightly different on the projects that you compl- completed. Mm-hmm. And there's a moderator in there who will help you out with any questions and, and raise them. And, and so the cohorts that have already gone through have had pretty active Slack channels and a really, really great moder- moderators.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like uh, really great for somebody who's like maybe either new to testing or doesn't quite have the process of testing nailed down or maybe isn't doing TDD, but doing, you know, writing some automated tests and wants to know, like, what is the process? What is the process that we've been talking about here? How does that feel? How does that differ? I'm checking that out. It sounds like people will be well supported throughout the course. And it's six weeks, you said. So it's not light on material, certainly. So it uh, mm-hmm. sounds like something I think a lot of our listeners should probably would probably get something out of. So they should check it out
1: I also think that it's uh it would be really valuable for teams that are trying to adopt a new process and test driven development um so if it's a group of people who want to uh enroll in the program I think that whole group would get a lot out of it
0: yeah certainly because they can have those you know those support conversations you just talked about they can start to have those Mm -hmm. among themselves as well and decide how as a team they're going to shape their process Mm -hmm. and what their expectations are so cool all right guys thanks for joining me sean alex it's been a pleasure yeah, thanks a great. lot. If you want more information on the course, you can check the link in the show notes. Show notes for this episode can be found at bikeshed.fm slash 139. As always, ratings and reviews on iTunes are greatly appreciated. And if you have any feedback about this episode, you can tweet us at underscore bikeshed, email us at host at bikeshed.fm or leave a comment on our website. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. We are experienced designers and developers who turn your idea into the right product. With local studios in Boston, San Francisco, New York, London, Austin, Raleigh, and Washington, D.C., let's build something great together.